and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Guys, Ephesians 2.10, I love this verse. It's an encouraging verse. It says this, for we are God's masterpiece and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long in advance. If you're in this room, I want you to know you're God's masterpiece. And he created you with good things in mind. God has good plans for us. Things that he wants to do in us and things that he wants to do through us. And I've always loved this verse. And in hearing that I'm God's masterpiece is transformative in the view of myself and what I think of myself, but the way that I approach everyday life. Now I wake up every morning thinking, man, I'm God's masterpiece. God has good things planned for me today. This verse infuses my life with purpose, with expectation for the day-to-day. You'll, you'll notice that this verse mentions God has created us anew in Christ Jesus, not for no reason, right? But so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're all familiar, maybe. Maybe some of y'all got this tattooed on your body. I'm not judging you, Jeremiah 29, 11. We love it. It's a good verse. Why? Because it says, you know, God has plans for my life. God has a hope in a future for my life. And, and, and maybe some of us as believers in the room, we can attest we love these verses and we love the idea of doing good things for God. We love that God calls us to do good things until he invites us to do those good things, right? God, I love you. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. God invites you to do something. You can, God, I'll do anything but that, <laughs> right? I don't know if there's anyone who, who, who knows this better. They're, well, I think Jonah gets a good taste of this. Y'all familiar with the story of Jonah in the Old Testament? Be encouraged this morning. You're not the only, way who, only one who's felt like this. Jonah chapter one, it's our key scripture for the day. It says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Hey, Jonah, there's this city that's evil and dangerous. I'm sending you to the middle of the hood. Go tell them that they're all sinners and God's judgment is coming. Jonah's like, "Mm mm-mm. Like, let's see how Jonah responds. But Jonah got up went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, right? We all love that God calls us to do good things until he calls us to do good things, amen? I wanna preach a message to you this morning that I'm gonna title Jonah and Jesus. Jonah and Jesus, let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, God, I pray that right now in this room that you would prepare the hearts of your people. Uh, God, would you till the soil of our heart to receive the seed of your word? So as it takes root, it would grow to produce fruit in our lives. I don't want to preach to a room full of people who just like to listen. I want to preach to a room full of people who are hungry to take your word, digest it, internalize it, and live it out. God, if we just hear your word, but we never do it, your word says that we're deceiving ourselves. We don't want to deceive ourselves. We want to really do this thing. We want to live a life fueled by the power of your Holy Spirit. And your word is your breath. So Father, allow it to transform us, make us new, make us more like Jesus. It's in your holy and mighty name. We all said, amen. So a couple of years ago, while me and Abigail were still 
dating. I don't even know that we were necessarily in ministry yet. We were doing a 21 day Daniel fast together. And I felt towards the end of the fast, I felt prompted to prophesy over Abigail that she was gonna speak to teen girls about purity. This was a part of God's calling on her life. And I just really sensed that in my heart. So, so I shared that with her and never really thought much about it after, you know, thought, thought about it much after that. So four or five years later down the road, at this point, we're married. We're living in an apartment together. Uh, we're, we're in ministry together. And I think we're youth pastoring and I get invited to go preach at this teen girl conference. And so I am, I am excited. One, one thing to know about me, I was raised with three sisters, a stay-at-home mom. I was surrounded by girls my entire life. Um, so, but when, so when I got the opportunity to go speak to a room full of teen girls, I was like, let's go. I, I was excited. You know, um, you know, something being, being surrounded by girls for my entire life, I really, um, had this conviction, this desire to, to preach uh, purity to young teen girls, but to, for them to find their confidence in Christ and also to be an example of strong male leadership in their life because I, I want them all to experience that. So I was, I was fired up um, and, and I knew as I, was, as I was communicating, I was looking forward to this opportunity to speak to these girls and to speak life and to, to bring the gospel to these girls. I was thinking through, man, what do I, what do I wanna communicate while I'm there? What do I want to communicate at this conference? And I had the prodigal son in my heart and that story of the father running towards his son. But the problem is it's not the prodigal daughter, right? So I'm like, I just, I, I love that story. I love the message in that story, but it's a son. I, I was like, I want it to be a daughter and I, and I want to talk about purity. I really, and, and so I start chatting with Abigail. We're, we're in our uh, living room in our apartment and just kind of bouncing ideas off each other. And, and as we start engaging, all of a sudden it's, it drops into my heart. You need to share your testimony. Said that to Abigail. Now you got to keep in mind, come on, you know, Pastor Mark and Abigail haven't always been perfect. Okay. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you're in the room and there's some darker parts of your story that not everybody knows. And you don't really love to tell everybody. Amen. And that's where we were. But how many know that he's made strong in our weakness and there's power in our testimony. And that's what, how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and, our, and the power of our testimony. So here I am with this opportunity to speak to teen girls. I said to Abigail, I want you to share your story. Now, if you know anything about me and Abigail, I'm pretty much an open book, maybe too much sometimes. It's like, I didn't need to know that, you know, like, <laughs> but then you have Abigail who's a little more reserved, like this is my business and my business only. And, but come on, how many know when you hide, you don't heal, right? Come on confess to one another, pray for one another, so you will be healed. I felt the Lord prompting me to ask Abigail, you need to share your story. And guess what? She agreed to do it. But I knew this was not only is Abigail a private person, um, Abigail had never communicated on stage before. So not only is she telling parts of her testimony, she's never shared with anyone with these girls but she's about to communicate on stage at this teen girl conference. So we put our heads together. We start mapping. I can't believe she's agreed to do it. I'm so proud that she is though. And I know it's going to be powerful. And we start, you know, we, we start kind of piecing it together and, um, Fast forward, it's the day of the conference. I'm going to open the conference. Uh, she ha then I'm going to invite her up. She's going to share her story kind of in the middle. Then I'll come back up and I'll deal with the altar call and all that. 
and it is like 10 minutes before we're supposed to give this message. And she comes up to me and she's like, Mark, I can't do it. Like, will you just do it? You just tell the whole story. It's all on the iPad. You can just read it. It'll be fine. I'm like, don't you do this right now. Don't you do this to me. We're doing it. And you're supposed to do it, right? We all love that God has good plans for us until he asks us to do those good things. Amen? Jonah, one through three. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. We all want to be used by God until he invites us to do the good things. And I wonder about us this morning sitting in the room. We're over quarantine. I've shared this with a lot of you. Over quarantine, Abigail comes to me. She says, I want to do foster care. I'm like, what? I'll never forget one time I'm, I'm at a men's conference. I'm in JQH arena, looking across the arena. There's thousands of men. I just happen to lock eyes at this one dude who I don't struggle with hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, or whatever with this person. I had bitterness and hatred in my heart. I had to look at him all weekend at the conference. So in the Lord's prompt me, you got to forgive him. You got to forgive him. You got to release this. I'm like, God, he doesn't even know that I don't even like him. And here I am like, I sent him a message and said, hey, dude, can you give me a call? He's creeped out, doesn't want to give me a call. I'm like, that's fine. I end up having to send this guy a Facebook message saying, dude, I've been harboring bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred towards you, dude. I just want to say that I'm sorry and, and I'm letting that go. And he's like, man, you are emotional and weird, but I got free. Amen. So I got free. What about you? We love that God has good things for us to do. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, man, Pastor Mark, God hasn't told me to do anything like that. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. God told you to go make disciples. So why haven't you had the conversation at work? Right? God told you to care for the orphans and the widows, but we're still making excuses for why we can't bring kids into our home. God told you to be generous, but every once in a while, all you do is drop a $5 bill in the offering plate. It's not generous, right? Jesus said we were going to do greater things yet we allow fear to stop us from laying hands on someone for them to receive divine healing from the Lord. Scripture told us worship and serve God enthusiastically, but we'll still leave our hands in our pockets during worship. And God has put in your heart good things to do. And we don't have to make it complicated. Now, I, I know the Holy Spirit will whisper specific instruction to our heart. I know he does that. But, but even if you haven't sensed that, God has still invited you and called you to do things right now. And there's things we're running from doing right now that we know with, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has told us to do it. I was talking to one of my friends this week on the phone, driving through town. He's like, man, I think I'm supposed to do more in the ministry. I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to. I'm like, 100% you are. What do you mean you don't know? Absolutely you are. So, and I, I want to preach to myself in this moment too, because I don't want to live a life bound by fear, right? 
and I would rather DCM become this community that takes these crazy leaps of faith and has to backpedal than stay stuck where we are for 50 years, comfortable and complacent and content. There, there's, there's a part of me as I read the story of Jonah, this incredible opportunity he has, and, and we, maybe some of us know how the story plays out, but you want to grab Jonah and be like, Jonah, just go, man. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. God's got you. He's, he's appointed you to this. Just go. But then I reflect and I think, man, would I, can I confidently say that I would even have the courage to go and that I would be able to do this? But, but here's the deal. I really want to live a spiritually courageous life. Do you? Like, don't you just want to walk around spiritually courageous? I want to be someone God uses. I want to be someone who's constantly stepping into the good things God has for me. I want to. I want to live spiritually courageous. And I'd be curious to hear if any of us ever been convicted, right? Ever read something in his word and stepped out in faith and finally had the courage to step out in faith with intentions to trust God and bring him glory. Have we ever actually done that and been let down? And, and then I think of the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where everybody's bowing down to the statue and they won't bow down because they're only going to worship their God. And the king says, if you don't bow down, boys, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they say, that's okay. They said, you can throw us in the furnace. God's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, you're still not going to bow down. It's this faith that's committed. It's already made the choice. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to trust his plan. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust that it really doesn't matter. He's working all things together for good. So, so they were empowered to live spiritually courageous lives. Circumstances doesn't shake my faith. God, I'm going to trust your plans. I'm going to live a life. And when you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Here's the question. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, but he ran. What has God told you to do that you're running from? Sometimes I think we're willing to stay put, not go when God says go, because we think our disobedience or omission, that word omission means just failing to do what's been asked of you, our, 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 our sin of disobedience or omission, we think that it only just affects us. Like, I'm, all, I'm almost ready. God, I'm not quite ready. I can't, I don't know if I can do that yet. I don't know. I'm almost there. I just, and, it, and it's us, we're thinking inward. But here's a little punch for you this morning. Y'all know I like to punch you a little bit. Your, your disobedience and your omission doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect you in the same way when God convicts your hearts to do something, when God calls you to do something, he's not just calling you to do something for you. God called Jonah do, to do something, not just for him, for Nineveh, right? Remember, God told Jonah, go. Jonah says, no. Jonah jumps on a random ship and starts heading the other way to try to escape the Lord. So let's read what happens next. Jonah chapter one, verse four, it says this, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So Jonah snuck down onto this boat that he's not even supposed to be on, heading the opposite way of where God tells him to go. And then all of a sudden this raging storm breaks out on the sea, okay? Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted for their gods to help them and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep, down in the hold, comfortable, complacent, content. So the captain went down and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, 
Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and had caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What, what country are you from? What, what's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the, the God of heaven, the one who made the sea and the land. Did you notice that in Jonah's disobedience and omission, he, he was comfortable for a moment, but it was detrimental to the people around him. Jonah's sleeping. Meanwhile, the crew on the boat's losing their minds, thinking, how, how are we going to survive? And not only was God sending, God sending of Jonah um, to Nineveh, not just for Jonah, but it, but it was for the people of Nineveh, right? We talked about that. God doesn't, our, our callings, what God's put in our hearts to do is never just about us. But when Jonah decides to disobey and run from God, not only is he put in danger, but he endangers everyone around him. What happens to Nineveh if Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh? I said it before and I'll say it again. Your disobedience and omission doesn't just affect you. In the same way, when God convicts your heart to do something, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. God is constantly making efforts to not just do work in us, but he wants to accomplish things through us. Amen. He wants to empower us uh, to do things through us. Sometimes for us, that means getting uncomfortable. Sometimes that means having hard conversations. Sometimes that requires boldness. Amen. But in the same way, it feels dangerous to do the things God called us to do, like go to a violent city like Nineveh, in the same way it feels dangerous to do the things God called us to do, I would suggest that at times it is equally as dangerous to not do the things that God has called us to do. Amen? Your life has never just been about you. Your gifting has never just been about you. Your calling has never just been about you. It's always about what God wants to do through you for others, right? What God wants to do through you, for others, through you. But when we do make the decision to run, when God calls us, and we all have, right? I'm grateful for a God who's willing to give us a punch and a hug. You, you ever been disobedient and um, as a direct result of your omission or your disobedience experienced storm? You know, like maybe the one day what you were watching on your phone, you, you forgot to delete the history and you, and you left your phone out. And that just happens to be the one day wifey picks up the phone to look at it. Storm. Room's quiet. You, you were hiding your substance abuse from, from your friends and your family, but, but you get pulled over. You get the DUI. And all of a sudden now, everybody knows because it's in the newspaper. My family has this running joke with me that uh, I don't get away with anything. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's bad. I, I've shared with y'all a couple of these stories, but, you know, I'm with my group of friends at Marshall's and we all stole. We were all thieves. I've told you, y'all remember the Marshall story, stealing t-shirts. 
I am the only one who gets caught and put in the video room and cry and, and wait for mom. I remember me, me, me and my buddy one time, we, we took spray paint. We walked down to this beach, walked a long way back in the beach, and we spray painted all these rocks and, you know, obscenities on the rocks, just being stupid. Literally that day, his little brothers go on an adventure their own when they never do. And, and they see all of it come back and, yeah, there's all this spray paint and blah, 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 get caught. One fourth of July, me and my friends, we decided to blow all this stuff up. Like super, super dangerous, but obviously none of our parents knew we weren't supposed to be doing this. And so we, 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 you know, we film it. We put this video on YouTube of us blowing stuff up. Well, my parents end up, my parents, no one else's parents, but my parents end up finding the link in the history on the computer and I get in trouble. Yeah. It got so bad. It, it got, it got so bad that I just started telling on myself. I was like, I'm done trying to hide stuff. Cause it, so I made a deal with my mom. She's like, Mackie, you can go to junior prom if you don't do all the naughty things. Okay. I'm like, mom, I got you. I won't. She's like, don't do anything. I'm like, I won't do anything, mom. Please. Can I go? She's like, you can go. I said, awesome. I went to junior prom. I did everything. Okay. I get into my house the night after junior prom. And I just start crying. I did everything. <laughs> I'm like, man, forget it. This, I'm not letting this storm hit me. I'm running into it. <laughs> Getting it over with. It's bad. <laughs> but in, in, in all seriousness, it's funny, but I, but I look back on my life and I see his grace protecting a young kid who he was equipping and calling to bring the gospel. It was his grace at work sending storms. I'm grateful for the storms he allowed me to experience because these storms were really his grace rerouting me into his intentions for my life. His grace allows you to experience storms sometimes knowing it'll be the thing that causes you to surrender. Hebrews talks about this. This is, this is the heart of the father. This is God, Hebrews 12. It says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, right? But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Proverbs 3 speaks to the same topic. It says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Don't be upset when he sends a storm. Amen? For the Lord corrects those he loves just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. We see the story of Jonah continues. Jonah chapter one, verse 10. So here they are in the boat. There's a crazy storm going on. The sailors were terrified. This is verse 10. When they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? And Jonah said, throw me into the sea. Sometimes God allows us to experience storms because that'll be the very thing that causes us to surrender. He says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to try to get the ship to land, right? But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. 
So they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, oh Lord. Check this out. Even the pagan sailing crew knew you have sent this storm upon them for what? Your own good reasons. Even the pagan ship crew recognize, God, you know what you're doing. Now, like we mentioned before, Jonah's surrendering to God doesn't just affect him, right? In the same way his disobedience brought a storm upon the whole crew, our disobedience doesn't just affect us. His repenting, his, him stepping into the things God called him to do, his surrendering doesn't just affect him either. Watch this in verse 15. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, and the, so- the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and began to serve him. They found salvation. They began serving the Lord. We are made strong in our weakness. Amen. So little spoiler alert here. Jonah gets thrown into the water. He's, he's bobbing around in the water, whatever, you know, big fat fish comes, swallows him up. He's in this fish for three days, uh, has some conversations with the Lord. Lord gets his heart right. God, I'm sorry. You know, he's whatever, swimming around in this fish, whatever that looked like, who knows? He ends up getting spit out. At Nineveh, the, the uh, fish took him right where he needed to be. He comes, he, he, he gives the message that God gave him to give to Nineveh. And God goes, okay, good job, Jonah. I'm not going to come against Nineveh. They're good. I'm going to save them. And Jonah's like, are you kidding? <laughs> Spoiler alert. In what areas of your life are you running from God? And maybe a more pointed question, make it a little more personal. What areas of your life have you been unwilling to surrender to him? Because it's not just affecting you. So here we are. It's, it's, it's five to 10 minutes before I'm supposed to speak at this teen girl conference. Abigail's trying to get out of it. I'm like, don't you dare. You are preaching. It's, it's going to be fine. Like, I, don't want to, I don't think I can do it. I, just, I said, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So, uh, do you have the microphone on you? So I I was using a handheld and they come up, worship finishes. I go up, I open the message. I I do my kind of opening part leading into Abigail's portion. And then I invite Abigail up on stage to share her testimony and share her story. And and I kid you not, just so you guys have a visual. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) my name is Abigail. I'm like, She's going to blow through the roof. Y'all ever seen a rocket ship getting prepared to like take off? It was like three, two, one. Y'all, she, but she did it. But she did it. And I, and I can't remember for sure, but I think it was actually the pastor's daughter. There was this girl there in the crowd and you knew there was something about her that was a little set apart. She had different leadership quality and you could tell the other girls kind of looked to her and she may have been you know, one of the top dogs of the crew or whatever. And I will never forget as the message comes to a close, the first person to stand up and come into the altar was that girl. And it was like a flood of teen girls comes to the altar. And, and, and I know that uh, they were moved by that story and that testimony and they found hope in the goodness of God. It's never just about us. 
I love the story of Jonah because it carries this challenge in it, this encouragement to, to, to not run from the things God calls us to do, but to step into the things that God put a, in our heart to do, to not disqualify ourselves, to not question what the outcome's going to be, but to step into the things he's called us to do with boldness and confidence and believe, God, you're going to meet me there. It's going to be okay. This story gives me courage to go when God says go. But what we fail to recognize about the four chapters in Jonah is there's a greater story being told. We love to read the book of Jonah and, and see, oh, he got thrown in, swallowed by a fish. He got there, then he gave the message. And I want to be like Jonah. I want to have the courage to not run, but I want to step into Nineveh and be the message. We say, I got to be like Jonah. I got to step into Nineveh. And what we don't realize is we are Nineveh. Me and you. Yeah, we are Nineveh. That's what y'all missed in the story. Pastor Mark, what do you mean? Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Pastor Mark, I still don't get it. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for how long? How long? How, how long? How long was Jesus in the grave? Don't miss it. Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. He is the word. The story is all about one person. The scriptures point to one person. Let's keep going. Jonah 2. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, ends up in the belly of a wheel. Let's eavesdrop on his prayer. Jonah 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The, the mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried. I was buried. Who else is buried? I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. What else is wrapped around someone's head? Y'all seeing it? I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth. I was put in the grave, right? Whose gates locked shut forever, right? I invaded. Revelations told us that Jesus entered hell, took the keys to the grave, right? He, he entered the place where the gates locked shut forever. But you, oh my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Who else did he snatch from the jaws of death? As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows. I will fulfill all my vows. Not your will be done. Not, not my will be done, but your will be done. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. My salvation comes from the Lord alone. If you're not catching it yet, the title of the message was Jonah and Jesus. This, this is a prophetic illustration. Hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus even came to earth, God's trying to communicate a story of one man who's gonna come to Nineveh. One man 
who, who loved the world so much, of a God who loved the world so much that he sent his son into the city, that, into an earth that had rebelled against him. He said, but I'm gonna send someone with a message that'll save all the people, that'll turn my wrath away on the day of judgment, that will set them free, right? So now we believe this man, Jesus, who came to earth and lived a sinless life, died on a cross, was put in a grave, right? Overcame, came back to life and ascended back to heaven, right? He gave us new life. He is the doorway. And when we place our faith in him, he makes all things new within us. He changes our eternity, right? He changes our identity. He makes all things about us new. Jonah and Jesus. I'm grateful for a God of mercy. I'm grateful for a God who's good. I'm grateful that by his grace, through our faith, we've been saved. Amen. When you place your faith in Jesus, everything changes. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.